0: Galatians 1, 1, through 9. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. All the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you, From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly departing the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, Let him be eternally condemned. And as we have already said, so now I say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned.
1: Thank you, Laura. Well, today we're beginning a new series. Laura read the right passage, Galatians is correct. We've been going through Genesis for the last number of months, and we went through Genesis 15. We're going to take a break. We like to go back and forth between the Old Testament and the New Testament to make sure we teach the whole counsel of God. And so we are going to be doing some of Paul's letters, Galatians, Philippians, and Ephesians, and then we'll go back and we'll finish the book of Genesis. So today we begin a new series. And today we're starting with the book of Galatians, which is a marvelous book that teaches us about the gospel of freedom. So let me pray, and then we'll dig into the text together. Lord, thank you for your marvelous word. Thank you that you want us to learn to live free in you, to experience the joy and the fullness that you have offered to us as a gift So, Lord, as we study this book, may your truth penetrate us deeply, and may we learn to be people who live in your freedom. We thank you that your spirit is here, Lord, and may our hearts be open to hear what you have for us today. We pray in Jesus' marvelous name. Amen. Freedom. Freedom. It's a word that moves the heart. It's a word that People long for, people are willing to fight for it, people are willing to die for freedom because they long for it so much. So you can imagine how surprised I was when Jeannie and I some years ago were involved in a prison ministry in California and we went and it was a maximum security prison and these prisoners were mostly murderers, violent offenders, had been in prison for a long time as we talked to them, a number of them had come to Christ. Remember Mike and Fred in particular, who had both killed people, had both deserved to be in jail, but in jail had come to Christ. Their lives had been transformed. They had been set free in Christ. But you can imagine how, as they talked about their upcoming possibility of paroles, how surprised I was when they talked about their fear of being on the street, that they really didn't want to be free. Because they had been on the streets before, and all they'd known before on the streets were bad things, and they didn't want to experience that again. They'd gotten comfortable in their imprisonment. It felt safer to them there than elsewhere. As we study the book of Galatians, we'll see that Paul has the same concern about the Galatians, that they've gotten comfortable in their slavery and they are not grasping the freedom that is offered them in Christ. Now let's set a little background for you. I want to show you this map. And Paul came to Galatia, the area of Galatia, on his first missionary journey. He began here in Antioch and the church in Antioch sent him out and he traveled around. And this is the area of modern-day Turkey, And the area of Galatia in New Testament times, the province of Galatia, was right in this area, Roman province. So he traveled up here, and in Acts chapter 13 and 14, in this high plain area of Galatia, Paul preached the gospel. And I encourage you to read chapters 13 and 14 of Acts, because it's a marvelous story of how Paul was used of God to establish the gospel, establish churches in Iconium in Pisidian Antioch in Derby in Lystra. And so as he travelled there, the story is told in the book of Acts about how he was run out of two different cities by the Jews who were contrary to him, who were fighting him. In the city of Lystra they did a miracle, and the people were so amazed that they thought they were gods, he and Barnabas, and so they wanted to begin worshiping them, and they said no no you can't do that. And eventually the crowd turned on them and they stoned Paul to execute him, drug him out of the city, but God healed him. He got up and went on to the next city to preach the gospel, even though he was left for dead. And eventually established churches in several of these cities. And I want to read just a couple verses from Acts chapters 13 and 14 that help us understand what the cities were like there. In Acts 13:52, it says this, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. And then over in chapter 14, verse 23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So Paul's ministry, even though it was full of suffering and difficulty and struggle, was very successful. He'd established these churches. And it says they were filled with joy and filled with the Holy Spirit. Great things were happening because of Him in whom they had believed. They put their faith in Christ. Their lives had been changed. They were experiencing marvelous freedom. So imagine how Paul felt a short time later as he got a report from those churches and discovered that they had gone back to slavery. Like those that I saw in prison in California, they wanted to go back to what was comfortable. They were falling back into a dependence on things other than Christ alone. And Paul, as we'll see in this beginning passage, is so upset about that, so concerned, he quickly fired off the book of Galatians to challenge them to live in freedom and not submit again to slavery. Chapter 5, verse 1, he says this, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. So he wrote the book of Galatians to help them go back to living in the freedom that Christ offers them. The key to this whole book is in a statement that Jesus makes in chapter 8 of John, verse 32, where he says this, "And And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. True freedom in our lives comes not from removing all restrictions, That's what the world would tell us. Oh, well, if you want to be free, you just remove every restriction so you're free to do anything you want. No, true freedom comes when you know the truth, Jesus says, so that you can begin to live as God created you to live, in the freedom of a relationship with Him that is a free gift. And as you begin to live in the gospel, in the good news, in the freedom of Christ, when you live in the truth you begin to experience true freedom. So Paul wrote this book to help them understand the truth so that they could be free. And Paul, of course, has a passion for that because he knew what slavery was like. He had been a Pharisee, a Pharisee that sought to condemn the church, to persecute it, to bring people and throw them in jail who were believers in Jesus Christ. And it also says in his writings how he had experienced the slavery of being slave to sin. Even though he was a Pharisee, he tried to please God. He tried to do what was right. And yet he found that he continued to be a slave to sin and he continued to be a, a slave to guilt and pressure and legalism that bound up his life and that kept him from living in the freedom that God wanted him to experience. But God set him free. God met him on the road to Damascus, turned his life around, and he'd experienced freedom, so he had a passion to help other believers like us live in the freedom that he has for us. Martin Luther, the great reformer of the 1500s, loved the book of Galatians. He, too, had lived a life of slavery. He had been a monk who really wanted to please God. And he tried, but he found himself getting more and more bound up with laws and regulations and guilt and depression and things that overwhelmed his life. And when he discovered the truth and the freedom of the gospel, it overwhelmed him, and he wanted to teach people about it. In fact, he says Galatians was his favorite book of the Bible because of the gospel of freedom that's declared so wonderfully in this book. He wrote this, the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle, Martin Luther says. To it, I am, as it were, in wedlock. It is my Catherine. (laughs) Catherine was his wife. I don't know how she felt about that statement. But you get the gist there that Martin Luther loved this book because he saw the freedom that it brought to people's lives. So let me give you a brief outline of the whole book of Galatians. Three sections. You see, truth matters, right? If you want to live in freedom, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. So truth matters. First two chapters of Galatians tell us it matters who you listen to, where you're getting your truth from. Chapters 3 and 4, it matters what you believe. It matters what truth you're seeking to hold on to. And chapters 5 and 6, it matters how you live, how you choose to live out the gospel, the freedom of the gospel. So why is this so important for us 2,000 years later? (laughs) Well, because I see so many of us as believers today. We put our faith in Christ, but we tend to live like this man, Matt, I'm reading from the book Grace Walk by Steve McVeigh, and he just describes a young man that I think describes many of us. Matt was a young man who struggled with an addiction to illegal drugs and alcohol. I had given him all the pat answers about reading the Bible more and praying harder. But here he was sitting in my office again, wanting my help. It's not that I don't want to live for God, he said. I pray for him to help me, and I really mean it. But things just never seem to change. I knew he meant it. His sincerity was obvious. That's what frustrated me. In one way, Matt and I weren't all that different, though. No, I wasn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. My sins were far more respectable than that. (laughs) But in spite of all my efforts to be free, I could still point to areas of my life where I felt enslaved. He goes on to say, many Christians are struggling to make their lives count for Christ, only to discover that the Christian life isn't working out the way it's supposed to. They're sincere about their commitment to Christ. They've given it their best effort, yet they're frustrated because they can't live up to what they think a Christian ought to be. They've concluded that their spiritual life is about as good as it's ever going to get, and it ain't that great. I think that description describes probably most believers, most of us, as we wonder where is the real joy and the freedom that Jesus seems to offer us and yet seems so far away. And I can understand that's because I've lived a lot of my Christian life trying to live out what I thought God wanted me to do and living by pressure and guilt and demand and rule-keeping and finding myself struggling more and more, wondering where is the Christian life that God seems to promise us. But the gospel, which means good news, gospel just means good news. The good news of the gospel really is good news. He does want us to live in freedom and joy in Him. And the truth of Galatians can help us begin to live the kind of life that God wants us to live in. A life of freedom and joy and walking in the Spirit. So let's dig in together. Let's look at these introductory verses as Paul introduces himself. And it's rather interesting that he, like all of his books, starts out and says... I, Paul, this is who I am, I'm telling you who I am, and and I'm writing to, that's the way they wrote letters in those days, Paul, an apostle, etc., to the churches of Galatia, like he always tends to do. But as you look carefully at these introductory verses, you also see that he summarizes the whole gospel for us. Now he spells it out more fully later in the book. And we'll dig into that more. But in this early section, as he just introduces the book, he summarizes the whole gospel for us because he wants them and he wants us to understand it so that we can live in the freedom of the gospel. It's just the simple gospel of freedom. So let's look at three gospel truths we see just in these first five verses as he introduces the book. He begins by saying, Paul, an apostle not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, Paul here is referring to his conversion and how jesus reached down and took him now we know the other apostles right jesus chose them they walked with him for all that time and at the end of that time just before he went to the cross and then after his resurrection he handed off the gospel to them and he said you guys are going to be the ones who carry the truth the holy spirit will lead you the disciples into all the truth so that you can pass it on and others will believe because of what you've received Paul became an apostle a different way, right? He was a persecutor of the church, but when Jesus met him on the road to Damascus in a blinding light, blinded him, turned his life around and called him, and then took him into the wilderness and taught him the gospel, he became a true apostle as well. What's the truth behind all that that we need to remember about the gospel? Very simply... Jesus has revealed and passed on the truth to us. Jesus has revealed and passed on the truth to us. He came from God, dwelt on earth, died for our sins, rose again, as Paul refers to the resurrection here, rose again and passed on the truth to us. There are many claims to truth out there, aren't there, in the world. But only one ever rose from the dead historically, appeared to many, over 500 at one time, to prove that he was truly the one who came to reveal the truth to us from God. There is no other source of truth. And he passed it on to the apostles and said, Now you teach others. So it's so important in understanding the simple gospel is that Jesus has revealed the truth to us and passed it on to us in the word and what the apostles have taught us in the new testament that's critical to understand because in our world there are many truth claims our world has such a twisted view of what truth is one of the ways our world looks at truth is that There are many voices out there claiming to have the truth. There are many ways to God. There are many truths that are thrown our way. If you just want to know the latest one, just watch Oprah. And you'll find out what the latest way is to get your life together and to have the freedom and joy that the true gospel promises. The trouble is none of those truths can ever satisfy because only God only spoke to us through one person. That was through Jesus Christ who passed on that truth to the apostles who have given it to us. Another way the world looks at truth is the truth is just relative. It's just, you know, truth is not uh, for any, for everybody. Everybody has their own truth and you may believe in Christianity, but I believe in Buddhism and their are equal truths. And so it really, there is no real truth out there. That's another way the world looks at truth. That may be true for you, but it's not true for me. I have a different truth. But Paul makes it so clear the truth only comes in one place, and that's through Jesus. And we don't have to apologize for that, folks. That's the reality. That's truth. That is part of the gospel. Jesus has revealed the truth to us. The second great statement of the gospel, the simple gospel that we need to remember and hang on to, is that Jesus died for our sins. Notice verse 3 and 4. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. You see, the simple gospel says we have a sin problem. And we are helpless and we cannot deal with that ourselves. We are trapped in our sin. We are separated from God because of that. We cannot cross that chasm. We cannot be in a relationship with a holy God unless God somehow acts to redeem us and save us and deal with our sin problem himself. Because no matter how hard we try, we cannot So the Father sent Jesus to die for our sins. He substituted himself for us on the cross, took the penalty that we deserved, bridged that chasm, so all we have to do is receive by faith what he did for us, receive the gift of salvation. The only way to be right with God is to trust in what Jesus did for us, and we cannot add anything to it. That's the simple gospel. We have a dog who's 15 and a half years old, starting to go blind, and, you know, she's old, but she's been part of our family now for 14 and a half years. And when we got her, we went to the Humane Society, took the whole family, we were looking for a dog, and we were looking at all these dogs in cages, dogs that are destined... To be put down, to be killed, to be put to death, unless someone comes and redeems them. And we looked around and we saw, my son said, This is the dog we have to have. And we petted her and got to know her a little bit. We decided, Okay, this is the dog we're going to have. And we paid our money to redeem her from those cages to let her out so that she could join us and be part of our family. Now, she struggled a bit to learn what it means to live in freedom, but we set her free so she could join us, be in relationship with us, and be part of our family. We did for her what she could never do for herself. And that's a wonderful picture of what God has done for us. He saw us destined for death, trapped in prison, Nothing we could do to get ourselves out and he sent Jesus to die for our sins, to open the cage and all we have to do is believe and we'll be free. And he welcomes us into his family to be part of his family forever and to dwell with him forever. That's the gospel. Jesus did what we could never do for ourselves. He died for us to redeem us and set us free. And then the third great truth of the gospel that we need to remember is that Jesus rescued us. Verse 4, he gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from what? From hell? It's not what it says. That he might rescue us from this present evil age. What is he saying? His death on the cross rescued us from hell. But he also came to rescue us from this present evil age, this world that we might live lives while we're still here of not being enslaved, but live lives of freedom in Christ. That's the gospel. You see, this is where I think many believers, many of us miss the boat. Many of us think like I did when I first came to Christ, which is, I put my faith in Christ, I've got my ticket to heaven, I've been saved, but while I'm still on earth, I, God wants me to work hard to try to please Him, to figure out what He wants me to do and work hard to try to be a good Christian. And I spent a lot of years doing that, trying hard to be a Christian. And what ends up happening is we end up being frustrated, feeling guilty Because we sin, we don't have the resources in ourselves to pull it off. And so we become guilty and broken because we fail to measure up. The law kills us when you try to live up to it. So what happens for most believers, I think, is that we either give up and just try to survive till Jesus comes again, or we fake it. A lot of us are pretty good at faking it. We act like our lives are pretty together, but deep down we're feeling overwhelmed and enslaved and pressured and guilty. And we wonder, where is the freedom that Jesus offers us? Here's the good news, though, the gospel. The good news is that God wants us to live in His freedom today. Not sinless Okay, right. We, we're not sinless. We still have this flesh that, that causes us to do things that we don't want to do. But he wants us to experience true freedom from sin's power, from guilt, from pressure. He wants us to live a life of enjoying God. Enjoying our life in him, free from having to keep the law to be acceptable to God. And God has continually been teaching me this lesson to lear, learn to live in the joy and freedom of Jesus Christ. And believe me, folks, it's the greatest thing ever. And I don't do it perfectly, and, but it's what he wants for us, for every one of us, every believer. You see, what happens is we tend to live by, okay, we obey so that God will love me. We obey so that God will be pleased with us. Yeah, I'm saved, but now I need to obey to get God's pleasure. Folks, that's not the gospel. That's a lie. The gospel is that we obey because God loves us. We obey because we already have His pleasure. We obey because He delights in us. When he looks at you and me, if we put our faith in Jesus, we are his beloved children and it doesn't matter what we do, he delights in us. That's the gospel. That's the good news, the simple gospel. But when we live by guilt and pressure and faking it, Paul says, No! God wants us to be free in Christ, full of joy, fulfillment, and freedom. And freedom... Again, it's not free from any restraints. Freedom is the freedom to be what God created us to be. That's what he longs for. That's the simple gospel. It came through Jesus to the apostles who wrote it down and communicated it to us. And it's simply the truth that Jesus died for our sins and he came to rescue us And all we have to do is receive it and accept it and enjoy it. So if it's that simple, why don't we experience more freedom as believers? Why do we fall into what the Galatians were falling into, a distorted gospel? Well, because we are not believing the simple truth. Let's look briefly at how the gospel gets distorted. Verses 6 through 9. Listen to how Paul talks. I am, I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. Now you need to understand how Paul normally writes a letter and then you'll be struck by how he speaks here. You see, Paul normally wrote a letter by saying, I, Paul, an apostle, blah, 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 to whomever he was writing to and then he always has a thanksgiving or a prayer section. I'm thankful for you and for your faith in Jesus Christ, etc., and I pray for you. And, and that's in all his letters except this one. In fact, Paul is so upset about the fact that they have now become bound up and lost their freedom in Christ, he skips the thanksgiving section, he skips the prayer, and he goes right to, you, I am shocked that you guys have deserted Christ, that you've deserted the simple gospel that you've clung to something else. Now, I would imagine that the Galatians, when they read this for the first time, they probably said, Whoa, 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 Paul, calm down. (laughs) We haven't deserted Christ. We believe in Jesus. We just have been taught that there's other things you kind of need to add to Jesus if you really want to please God. Certain things you need to do to keep God happy. We haven't deserted Jesus, and Paul says, wrong. If you have gone to Jesus plus things I have to do to have God's favor, then you've deserted Jesus. You've turned your back on the simple gospel. You have deserted and abandoned Jesus himself. Because as we've seen in the simple gospel, it's all about what he does. It's not about what we do. It's all about him. It's not about me. That's the simple gospel, and when it becomes about me and what I do, then it's distorted, it's perverted, and it destroys lives. What does Paul mean? Let's talk a little bit about this. Here's what he says about this false gospel. He describes it in different ways. He says, I'm amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. A different gospel. He says what you're learning really is not the same as the gospel. In fact, it's something totally different. In fact, in verse 7, he says it's not really a gospel at all. Gospel means good news, and he says what you're being taught now is not good news at all. In fact, it's bad news. It's destructive. It doesn't set people free at all. It promises to, and instead it destroys people's lives. He goes on to say, there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort or pervert the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? Well, that word, that Greek word, distort or pervert, is used in the New Testament of the sun being turned to darkness, laughter being turned to gloom, to mourning, joy to gloom. In other words, it has the idea of taking something good and twisting it so it becomes something bad. Last Sunday was the Super Bowl. Pretty good game, right? Well, we had a group of people over, and we have a tradition where we cook uh, spicy hot wings. So we bought a couple of nice big packages of fresh chicken wings, and so I got one out and opened it up, and and cut it up, and got it all ready to cook, and I opened the other package, and this horrible smell came forth. And I looked, and it was discolored, and it was just perverted and messed up. It was bad. It looked good from the outside, but when you open the package, it stunk. (laughs) Because of all the bacteria that had been feeding on it, distorted it. It had originally been good, but it was... Turned bad. That's what Paul is saying about the gospel here. People had added to the gospel things that had distorted it and made it bad. Had corrupted it. Had perverted it. It turned bad. He goes on to say in verse 8 and 9, he describes that this gospel, even if we are an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to Look at that word, contrary, or other than, NIV. He says it again in verse 9. If any man is preaching you a gospel contrary to or other than we preach to you, there he describes this distorted gospel, this other gospel, which is no real gospel at all, as contrary to or other. That little preposition in Greek that's there, para, means alongside, or it means In addition to. You see what it's saying that these teachers had added something to the gospel. They'd taken the truth about Jesus, believe in Jesus, and they'd add some added something to it. Later, Paul will explain more about that, what was added. But essentially what he's saying is here's a perverted gospel. It's Jesus plus. Jesus plus. Oh, sure, believe in Jesus, but you also need to, as he goes on to say, be circumcised, follow certain Jewish customs, keep the Sabbath day, do certain festivals. This is what these teachers were saying. You really need to become a good Jew and believe in Jesus if you want to really live out the gospel. But all that does is destroy people's lives. Paul says, it's, it's like a runner taking on backpacks. He's going to run long distance. And, and you're saying, well, you, you know, if you really want to run well, you should probably have some energy gel. So here's a backpack full of those. And, oh, you, probably might, you might want some water, so here's a backpack full of water. And you might need extra shoes in case yours start bugging you. So here's a backpack full of shoes. And, and you take on all this stuff. It's all good stuff, right? But you can't run with it. And when you add things to the gospel, you can't experience the freedom of Christ. We do things, but not to gain God's favor, but rather because we have God's favor. So a distorted gospel is any teaching that says, yes, believe in Jesus, but there are certain things you need to do for God to really be pleased with you. And there's many teachings out there, aren't there? Because our flesh longs to be able to be in control and do something for our salvation. But the true gospel is we can add nothing to it. So teachings like Jesus plus, Jesus plus baptism, Jesus plus devotionals, Jesus plus tithing, Jesus plus going to church, Jesus plus following traditions, Jesus plus going to confession, Jesus plus whatever. Those are all good things, right? But when they become what we depend on to have God's favor, it's a distorted, twisted gospel that can only lead to frustration and guilt and destruction in our lives because it's living by the law. The simple gospel is simply, it's what Jesus did for us. Thank you, Lord. I have your grace. I have your favor, period. Not Jesus plus, just Jesus. And I want you to notice how upset Paul is. At the end of verse 8 and 9, he says, Anybody does this, teaches this, even if we teach you or an angel from heaven a distorted gospel, he is to be accursed. The Greek word is anathema. Modern translation, and this is literal, may he go to hell. Yeah, that's what Paul says. Oh, whoa, Paul. Getting a lot of, little out of hand here, aren't you? We need to understand how serious it is when we fall into a distorted Jesus plus gospel. It destroys our lives. And I think Paul is so upset here and so dramatic because he's saying, look, when people teach a distorted gospel, it destroys people's lives. And these teachers essentially, I think Paul is saying, essentially are already making their own path to hell when they teach a Jesus plus gospel. Back in John chapter 8 again, as Jesus is teaching, verse 36, he says this, If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus came to set us free, that we might live and be rescued from this present age to be able to live in the joy and freedom of Jesus Christ. Even as we walk through suffering and difficulty, to know his life in us in a way that we experience the joy and freedom that he longs for us to have. If the idea of living in that kind of freedom seems hollow to you, it seems foreign to your experience, then this study in the book of Galatians is for you. If you feel like you've experienced that freedom, well, then this study in the book of Galatians is for you because it will all come together for you. So my prayer is that this book, this study may be used of God to set us free to know the freedom of the simple gospel that Jesus came to bring us, that we might live in his freedom. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we learn to walk in your freedom in Christ as we study together this marvelous book, may we live by the simple gospel, not Jesus plus, but trusting in you and you alone and in what you have done and enjoying life in you because of that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.